Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Uh, once again, we have a special book offer for you. Our guest today will be Aaron Armstrong, who you will hear from in the next couple minutes. Um, so we just want to be uh, brief here and let you know that if you go online to our Facebook page and like us on Facebook, the first three people to do that, we will go ahead and send you out a free copy of Aaron's book, Contend, which we will be uh, discussing on the podcast today. So as we discuss that, if that sounds like something that you're interested in, you haven't liked us on Facebook before, please go ahead and like us and we will send you out a copy of that book. Uh, anything else you want to go ahead and add, Greg? Just Aaron, I th think as our guest will hear today, Nathan, is a great uh, thinker, uh, very clear very balanced, good writer. Again, not a, a well-known writer, yeah. but a very good one. And he is written for Cruciform, which did my third book. That's yeah. how Aaron and I connected. Okay, um, We met one time at a Gospel Coalition conference, did a little video thing, and just has really, really great, precise insights that uh, are always sort of aha moments yeah. when I've read him and contend is a very good book, and I think our readers are going are to love it. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you and uh, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, Greg Dutcher joining us. Greg, say hello. Hello. And we have a special guest for you, Aaron Armstrong, all the way from Canada. Uh, Greg, this is the second Canadian we've had on this podcast. Well, I, I, I think it shows uh, we believe in the grace of God to uh, extend that to our Canadian brothers. And I'm not going to make any Canadian joke. I'm not going to call uh, Aaron's country like America Junior or anything like that. <laughs> that would be below the belt. I won't do that, Aaron. Fear not. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, friends, family. Where are you actually in Canada up there? Yeah, um, so I'm from London, Ontario, which is uh, just a little bit south of Toronto. I've been here for about 15, 16 years. Um, came here for college. Actually, got I met my now wife here, got saved here. Um, we, uh, my wife, my wife's name is Emily. She's a super lovely lady. We have three kids, Abigail, who's eight, um, Hannah, who's five, and Hudson, who's three and a force of nature. <laughs> we just were not prepared for having a boy after having two girls. I've That's got one of those. Uh, now I've oh, got yeah? I've got two boys, Aaron, but I've got one of those that <laughs> oh. you just described. So yeah, there force of nature, absolutely. And yeah. his name is Hudson. Hudson, cool yeah. name, like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's a he's a cool kid. He's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, all my kids are fun. But um, yeah, and we're part of Harvest Bible Chapel here in London, Ontario. Um, we're led by um, a really great pastoral team. Our senior pastor Norm Miller and our assistant senior pastor uh, Leo Clouse. Very godly men. Very thankful for what God is doing through them in in a place that really needs more gospel witness. Neat, neat. And I uh, think you just answered that for us, but uh, I bet a lot of a lot of people probably ask you, do you go to Tim Challey's church? Because mm. I often associate you guys together, uh, obviously, because you're both in the same general area. And ha have you ever been there? Because you know, he was a guest recently. 
Yeah, no, I have not been to Tim's church, although I'd love to go there sometime just to check it out. But Toronto's kind of a hike for me. Um, it's about an hour and a half drive. Oh, away. okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, what's interesting with Tim and I is um, we we communicate, uh, you know, a fair bit via email and stuff like that. But when the times when we usually see each other face to face is in America at a conference. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> How about that? So it's just kind of silly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So you're, you're about an hour and a half. And you were telling us before the podcast began this morning, you're not a sports guy, right? I am not a sports right, guy. I good. do not understand it at all. Yeah. So it's, so this is a very confusing time for me on, on Twitter when everyone's <laughs> talking about drafts of some kind. Yes. And I, I keep assuming that they're making first drafts of, of, of essays or something like right. that. <laughs> uh, yes. No, no. I'd say our guests are about 50, 50, aren't they, Nathan? Yeah, like, I, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, that's good. Cool. But I was busting on Canada earlier as I was just affectionately doing, of course. And when mm-hmm. we had Tim on uh, a week or so ago, uh, the Orioles, our Baltimore uh, team was heading up there to uh, play the Blue Jays for a three game series. And I was giving Tim the business, and then uh, the Blue Jays swept the Orioles three straight games. So, <laughs> you know, uh, there you go. The the Eastern mind would call that karma. I guess we would call that what Nathan, like the sowing and reaping principle. That's right. You know, to yeah. to to put a Christian pride, spin. Pride on. goeth before the fall. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> my pride goeth very strong in that. But in that but see, don't worry because those will be the only three games that the that the Blue Jays will win this year. Because so. <laughs> they started strong and then they'll do what they always do, which is choke. That's that's what I'm hoping for, and I mean that in a Christ-like, biblically loving way. Uh, Absolutely. When I hope that, that entire uh, franchise collapses, I mean that you know with yeah. all charity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Aaron, we're actually going to be spending the mo- mo- majority of our time talking about your book, um, Contend, uh, that you wrote. But um, you've written a couple of other books as well. And so what we'd like to do is uh, just, you know, uh, tell us about those um, a little bit before we before we get going and, and get into Contend there. Sure. Sure. The first book I wrote was called Awaiting a Savior, The Gospel, the New Creation, and the End of Poverty. So as you can imagine, that's kind of a big, that's a big topic to take on as your first book. Uh, but it, it fit in with my, it fit in with a lot of what I was processing at the time. Um, I work for a, I work for a non, nonprofit that, um, that lives in that, in that space of poverty alleviation and child development and, and all this kind of stuff. And so because of that, I'm exposed to a lot of conversa- of the conversation surrounding issues around, around ending poverty and how, what's the church's responsibility, all that kind of stuff. And what I noticed is, is that everyone really just talks about symptoms rather than the underlying issue. And so this book was um, two parts therapy, one part instruction, um, kind of building out a theology of poverty as I saw it in scripture and, and wrestling with what I was reading uh, through other books uh, that are out on the market and other influences that are out there mm-hmm. um, to show where poverty begins, where it ends, and what we're, to, what we're called to do in between. Um, so that's the first book. And, um, um, and, I, did, and there, I did that all in 100 pages. Yes, yes. And I was just going to say, that book was the first cruciform book that that I read. Cruciform is the 
you know, a small publishing company that uh, Tim Challies is a co-founder of. Yep. And uh, that's when I first was, you know, sort of came across Aaron Armstrong and, and uh, your work. And mm-hmm. that is a, an excellent book. It, it's one of those books that made me think of the issue itself, which you just mentioned, poverty, and the broader mm-hmm. issue that, wow, I probably should have a Christian perspective on poverty. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. one of those things. This we often call a Christian worldview podcast yep. that we're mm-hmm. trying to look at everything from entertainment to politics to issues inside the church, outside of the church, theological, pastoral. And, you know, poverty is something that's hitting us right now in, in a fresh way, Aaron, because of what's going on in Baltimore, which we're about mm-hmm. 30 miles north of in Harford County, uh, mm-hmm. out in the safe suburb, you know, the safe yeah. suburbs. But, you know, obviously people are talking about poverty and uh, those that are underprivileged in a, in a fresh way in light of the Baltimore riots. So I would just say what you did in a hundred pages, brother, is is excellent, and that is uh, I I know we're not going to focus on that book today, but for our listeners, uh, I would really recommend that that book because there's I there's not too much out there that's quite like it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was it was yeah it was a, it was a fun one to write um, and really scary because there's a lot of smart people talking about that issue. Yes. And, um, yeah, and so it was nice to actually have something of merit to contribute. That's why I did not write a book on that subject, because there are so many smart people <laughs> talking about it. And uh, I could have offered something, but it wouldn't have had much merit. <laughs> a couple references to The Simpsons, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I would have had a few Simpsons references, a Seinfeld anecdote. Um, Maybe and, something from Breaking Bad. Yeah, well, my, my, per, my personal credit report as the appendix <laughs> that would have been my contribution <laughs> to that that subject. So yeah, we'll we'll move on from that. Um, so so Aaron, and then your second book you wrote was Contend. Is that correct? Yeah, second book was Contend, okay. which um, which we'll talk about in in the rest of this podcast. Yep. The third was an experiment with self publishing um, called Everyday Theology, and what that was was that was looking at some of these ideas that float around in church world that we just kind of assume are true, whether they're, uh, whether they're quotes that we hear that we think are in the Bible. So like God won't give you, give you more than you can handle, which we all know is in second hesitations (laughs) Um, or, um, you know, or the whole preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. Yes. Um, every pastor's favorite, you need to, pre- it's not my job to feed you, you need to feed yourself. Right. Um, so I just kind of went after everybody a little bit in that one. Um, so it's got, it's a little bit of a rawer book because most of it was written um, when I was actually far younger in my faith than I am now. Not that I'm, you know, super, have a super long uh, time time in as a Christian or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's something that's really written for people who are newer believers who are younger in the faith, um, or just are, are still in that really early phase of trying to work stuff out. Um, and that's really who it's geared for. Yeah. And, and can I tell you, Aaron, how thrilled I was when I learned that cleanliness is next to godliness is not a verse and and, and how liberated I felt when I realized I'm not held under that by divine mandate. Um, uh, yeah, Nathan, I just drove him up in my car this morning would would say, um, 
Yeah, I was in 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 big trouble there. But that you know that yeah, one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's from the the apocryphal, apocryphal book of Corrigan. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that's what is that? Second procrastination. That's right. Uh, Four <laughs> yeah. thirteen. Uh, we yeah. Uh, yeah, those phrases are very interesting, and we've talked about even doing a potential podcast on that subject so we'll keep that in mind Aaron as a yeah as as a future guest spot for you I think to sort of be our resident expert because there and, and the one I will say briefly I literally had a conversation no more than a week and a half ago at best uh with somebody outside of the church I don't even have to feel like I have to tiptoe on this that had assumed that that God never gives us more than we can handle was a scriptural verse and mm. that one always uh perplexed me in light of some of what paul says that we you know we 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 despaired uh you know you know beyond the point of death uh yeah. with all that had been placed on us that i i'm not i'm not entirely sure what that means because if somebody has cancer and they die suddenly with it uh or if somebody is dealing with uh a dysfunctional family situation and somebody uh, leaves the house or uh, somebody leaves the marriage, you know, I, I what would constitute you can't handle it yeah. anymore? So it it's always been yeah. sort of a, um, a, a, a suspect concept for me. And again, yeah. realizing that that's not clearly taught is actually liberating. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, and I mean, you know, guaranteed, guaranteed if you, if you if you if you say that in certain contexts, someone's going to declare you an antinomian and write a book about you. Sure, but, um, <laughs> sure. Um, that was my subtweet for the day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but just this whole idea, like I mean, I've had people people try and argue that when Jesus said. Uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light that he was trying to say that it's like no 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 the commands are it's he's talking about his commands right he's not talking about the situations that you're going to face yes because i'm because i mean you look at his example he's in he's in the garden of gethsemane and you know luke reports that he's that he's sweating as if it were blood yes (laughs) yeah so it's like that was a huge burden for him too. Right. So well, and even <laughs> and so he much was so, God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even so much so that angels had to come and and basically help him. Yes. He he yeah. couldn't do he couldn't get up on his own. Angels had to come yeah. and minister to him and help him. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. I think it, I heard uh, uh, somebody say this, Nathan, in a, in a sermon years ago. I can't remember who, but I think it was an Alexander White quote, the Scottish preacher who uh, was asked who he wanted to see when he first got to heaven besides Jesus. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think his answer was that angel yeah. that mm-hmm. ministered to Jesus at that hour. And I thought, what an intriguing concept. What must that yeah. have been like to find him in that estate? Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, would, yeah. Be, that would be a cool guy to talk to. Yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Ever since I heard that, he's on my list and a few others as well that we'll save for yep. another time. Yep. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure no one's going to be going up to Jesus and saying, and this will be one of my future ones if I ever do a sequel. Um, the I've got a question for you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's great. We're, um, so yeah, the three books. And so Contend is the second, which is the one we're going to focus on today. So go yep. ahead and just um, set the groundwork for that um, for the listeners that out there who um, haven't read it. I'm going to, I'm going to lay up my cards out on the table. I read about half of it. 
Um, and then um, Greg sent it to me. I think it was uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, life came up and wasn't able to finish it. But um, I yeah. did read about half of it. So hopefully I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll sound semi-intelligent when talking about it. But go ahead and there lay the go. groundwork um, for those who haven't, uh, who haven't read it. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, the, the big idea of the book was really w- looking at Jude's epistle and, and what he was writing there and saying, okay, what, what is he talking about here and how does this apply to, to us um, in the church in the, in the early 21st century, um, particularly in the digital realm? Um, and so, um, although not just there, but all of life. So what does it mean when he... When Jude says to his his readers, um, when he urges them to to uh, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered, what does that actually mean? And mm-hmm. so, typically, when we hear that, we usually assume that it's that realm of apologetics, and so it's the debate between you know Ravi Zacharias and a non and a non Christian, or James White and you know um, everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not, and that's not a shot at James White because he's actually a really great debater. No, but you are um, right. I think he has debated perhaps every person on the planet, uh, yes. except me, because I don't think I've been at one of those. But yes. <laughs> no. No, well, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you haven't uh, haven't said or done something that yeah. <laughs> would require you to. So, um, you know, but I mean, there's a reason why people why people are afraid to debate him. Um, it's because he's really, really good at it. Yeah. Um, so, um, and he does us and he does legitimately do us a great service in that. But anyway, that's my rabbit trail. Um, so people often think about contending in that space, but they don't necessarily see the broader implications. So how does this affect all of your life? And um, how to, and more specifically, how, how is this to be done within the church? Mm. Because really when, when we look at the context that Jude is writing uh, of Jude's writing, he's, he's telling Christians to do this among themselves. Yeah. He's less concerned about um, dealing with the outside attacks as he is the attacks from within, yes. and so, and so that was that was the motivation that I that I read in the book. Particularly as when you look at um, when you look at the millennial generation, that oft talked about um, group of twenty somethings to or late teens to twenty to thirty somethings now. Um, that I'm just on the cusp of being, but not quite. So um, that um, that you know have grown up, you know, particularly for the church kids who were who were part of that group, who had to deal with a lot of um, angry angry rhetoric and and kind of the nasty bits of the '80s, and just said, you know what, I don't want anything to do with that. I, why can't we all just get along? Yes. And, and so telling them, this is actually why we can't just get along. Um, or, but you don't have, but more importantly, you don't have to be a jerk when you're contending. You right. can do it without being yeah. contentious. Yes. And, and so. Aaron, I would just say, that's what I've loved about the tone of your book. Uh, not just the content, but the tone is you're really appealing. And that's something we talk about a lot. How, how do you contend passionately with, with go to the mat fervor? Yeah. Uh, but still dealing gently with people, you know, and I, it's, it's a bit cliche, but you know, we've, 
often commented that we yeah. want to, um, you know, we don't want to win arguments at the expense of people. We want to win people, yeah, uh, through yeah. proper argumentation and uh, not not just win the argument and then lose the person. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the the key thing is is remembering what's the goal. Are you trying to win an argument? Are you trying to be the rightest person in the room? Or are you trying to actually win a person? Or, um, or if, and even if it's not directly winning that person in one conversation, it's getting them to think yes. about where, about what they're saying, what they're thinking, what they're doing. Um, you know, and um, I don't think anyone has any, you know, any illusions that. We get this right all the time. None of us do. But one of the key things there is is, remem is remembering that very clear command that what Jesus has said very clearly that the two greatest commandments are to love uh, love the Lord our God with all of our being, and out of that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Yes. And so if we're to love our so contending has to be seen as an act of loving our neighbors, and that's going to change how we approach it. Yes. Yeah. Now, um, so so you talk about um, contending within the church. What does yes. that look like? Give give us an example of of what contending in the church might look like. Because I know, uh, I actually I work in a liquor store down the street. Uh, none of my coworkers are believers, and so I I understand what it is to contend with them, to love them. Hopefully, mm -hmm. I haven't been uh, jerky too often to them. <laughs> um, I know sometimes I probably have. Um, but what does it look like to contend with believers in the church? What are the things that we should be contending on with one another? Because, I mean, as, a, as the body of Christ, don't we essentially ha all have the same fundamental beliefs? Well, you'd think so. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, there's a, I mean, this is the thing that we see is, is, is we see even like from the earliest times, we see that there are people who are, um, who are really confused about what the truth is. I mean, Corinth is a great example. There's yeah. no more messed up church in the entire Bible than, than that than that crew. Um, you look at Jesus' letters in Revelation, and it's the same kind of thing. You see these churches that Jesus commends for certain things, but they but he rebukes them sharply for not getting not eliminating the false teaching that's among them by allowing people not just to have aberrant beliefs but to be propagating them yes and and that's a really dangerous thing so when it looks so contending within the church it has a number of different aspects there's on the like there's the pastoral component which is huge and primarily what that is is that's that's consistently teaching sound doctrine what um that is clearly taught in the scriptures um, and so, so just some basic, you know, some basic things, um, like making sure that it's like, it's really clear that, you know, what the content of the gospel is, that, um, that the gospel is not, um, you and your actions, but it's, but it's the finished work of Christ that he, that, that God came into human history as the man, Jesus, um, lived a perfect life for his people that he died on a cross, taking his sin, taking the sins of, um, all of those he came to save and that he rose again on the third day, that basic, that basic nutshell, uh, that nugget that, um, even 
Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Right, right. Um, now, there's obviously more to it. I mean, the more you plumb in, the more you dive into it, the more the more there is to unpack. I mean, um, you can't do the ju- gospel justice, obviously, with a simp- with just a basic summary by, like that. Um, and so what I'm not talking about is lowest common denominator theology either. Um, so, but... But there is that that side of it, and then um, the character of God, making sure that we're aligned on those things, um, and like that God actually is perfect and sovereign, that He is uncreated, that He's wholly other than the cre- than creation itself, um, which is where a lot of people start to get kind of fuzzy. I mean, you've seen, um, and that even just basic things that it's like we talk about God the way that God talks about Himself. So, um, so for example, um, last year there was a bit of a, a bit of an internet hubbub about whether or not it was acceptable to use um, the f- a feminine pronoun right. um, in reference to God. Right. And um, you know, and some of the good things that are that are to be that we need to be reminded of in that space is that yes, God is neither male nor female. God is not a God is not a person in the way that we are. He's sure. not a human mm-hmm. being. The person of Jesus is obviously a hu- um, is a human being. Sure. But um, and that's just where our head we need to explode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we can't tr- we can't possibly fathom how God is and is not a person. Yeah. Um, but when you look at how God refers to Himself, how does he? And although he occasionally um, is um, occasionally uses um, feminine descriptions of himself um, in terms of his affection sure, and, sure. Mm-hmm. and these kind of things. When he refers to himself, it's always as a he. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we need to, and, and so that alone is kind of, is just kind of a key thing that it's like, if God is content to call himself um, with a masculine pronoun, we should take that seriously and we should, um, and that his primary designation to us in the new covenant is father, yes. not mother, brother, sister, um, crazy uncle George or anything <laughs> like that. Um, I'm so glad know. he doesn't refer to himself as crazy uncle George, Aaron. I, oh, absolutely. Cause I have absolutely. a crazy uncle. Well, not George. I, I you know what, I, you know, I better stop talking. I, yeah. Uh, uh, Aaron, if I could yeah, say no. when you're yep. sharing this with me, I thought Nathan's question is such a great setup because it is sort of natural to think, well, I mean, yeah, but we've all got the, the basics, right? We might debate the, uh, the more complex issues of spiritual gifts, minutia about the millennium and end times theology, sure. and that sort of thing. But this was sure. uh, this was driven home to me a few years ago. Uh, there was a guy I know uh, who was a friend of fairly, well, a young believer, but he had been walking with Christ for at least three or four years at this point. He had been asked in the church he was in to start leading a small group. Mm-hmm. I I wish now he had asked me. Did I think that was a good idea? I should have told him no. That mm-hmm. I'll call the guy Sam. I should have said, Sam, um, you know, I, I love that you know your church is seeing you grow and you're committed, and he certainly was. I think you need a little more time. I was always a little bit doubtful that he had a a firm enough grasp on the 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 most important foundational truths of Christianity 
quite yet. I, I thought mm-hmm. he was growing in Christ. He was learning things. Well, this was driven home to me when um, several months later, he had a very large small group. It was probably 25 people or so, and most of whom were very young believers. This was in a church that had a more seeker-sensitive playbook, mm-hmm. uh, different than the one I would use, of course. But they did, to their credit, have a number of people that, that to me, seemed to be genuinely meeting Christ for the first time. And mm-hmm. he uh, called me, and it sounds like I'm making this up, but he said, Greg, I got a question. He said, tonight, uh, somebody was discouraged in the group. They were having a hard time. And I said, um, you know, hey, man, don't don't beat yourself up, man. I mean, nobody's perfect. I mean, I mean, not even Jesus. Mm. And he said, uh, and I wasn't sure when I said it, if it was right. And somebody in the group said, um... I, I are you sure? I thought he was perfect, and the group, being led by a sanctioned uh, church leader, uh, could not determine with any clarity whether or not Jesus was perfect. And right. I don't say that to be critical of that dear man in Christ. He just wasn't ready, yeah, to be in oh, that absolutely. place and had. And I, so, of course, you know, I'm trying to trying to keep my eyeballs from popping out of my head <laughs> and thinking, oh, my word, <laughs> give me the number of every person that was in your small group tonight. So I just walked him through <laughs> Hebrews and walked him through John 8. You know, I always do the yep. things that please my father and 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 just let him know uh, what name did I make up for him? Sam. Sam. Boy, that's bad. Is that a Freudian? My daughter's name is Sam. <laughs> this is not about my daughter. Um <laughs> So I just said, Sam, uh, you know, that's that's something that what I would do, and he did to his credit, I emailed him uh, seven or eight verses, uh, a little snippet I found from the internet sort of summarizing why the sinlessness of Christ is uh, foundational, (laughs) (laughs) that if he's not sinless, we are lost. And he went back to his group, and I, I, I... Again, all my failures, I should have contacted his church leaders, which I didn't. That was an awkward situation for me I don't need to get into, but I don't want to sort of whistleblow on my friend right. uh, yeah. and make him think. But it, it did show me that, wow, here's a man who I truly believe knew the Lord but was incredibly confused on what mm-hmm. the three of us are kind of chuckling at. Yeah. Wow, how could somebody get that wrong? But but they yeah. do. They yeah. do. Because doctrine oh, totally. is, not, is not insisted upon in today's church no yeah no not at all and i mean to your point there about your about your friend you know i was in the same boat i was i was leading a small group um i'd been a believer for i think maybe two years at most Mm. and that was a that was a disaster for the first for the first while because i mean i had people who had been in who had been christians much longer than i had been um even um which was which is funny and um but I mean, you know, our first our first few times were just like we're just this mess of a of a <laughs> of a group because it was a lot of that typical. Well, what do you think it means? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing, and it's like this is not good. This yeah. is this is the blind leading the blind here, and um, and you know, yeah, I could just go on, and I'm not going to because I'll say something foolish. Um, <laughs> that's hey, that's my job on this podcast, Aaron. Yeah. That's right. We, know, can... we we've got to keep the rules very distinct. This is our, there we go. There we our go. functional Trinitarian approach here of, of some sort. I my role is to say the ridiculous, absurd things and 
Nathan's role is to respond to the nasty emails. That's right. There we go. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's <laughs> fantastic. So, um, so I mean, so just going back to contending in, in the church, I mean, one of the biggest things that we have to have to deal with is we 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 do have to deal with how do we how do we um, not just like those of us who are pastors um, or those of us who are in some form of lay leadership that's recognized in our church um, or um, and but even those who are just you know they're they're just the, like the rest of us who are you know what we're serving the church we're we're you know we've got kids that we're raising we've got friends who have questions on um, these things how do we how do we encourage one another how do we shepherd one another how do we um, how do we correct one another lovingly um, with with what the truth is yes. Um, and so that was really the desi- a huge desire in the book, and so I give a I give a whole bunch of examples. A lot of it being stuff that I shouldn't have done, um, <laughs> but you know, but occasionally one where I got it right. So no, yes. Let me ask you a question about um, contending. Uh, what, what we might consider the non essentials. Um, yeah, because I I look at individual churches and the way they're they're structured and set up. Do you think? Once we get the essentials down, and so there's no question about the essentials, do you still think it's important that we contend some of those non-essentials depending on our denomination or, or where you are? And, and let me just throw baptism out there as an example, sure. you know, because there, there are many churches that believe just solidly that the way we baptize is by immersion, and they yes. will not do anything else. And so for them, that is... That is a, a strong uh, convic- uh, conviction, yep. um, strong on their conscience, where you look at uh, the Presbyterian Church, you know, and, and I'm not talking about people way out there, but, you know, the, you know, solid believing Christians who think, no, we baptize them as infants and it's, it's not an yep. issue and we sprinkle them and it's not an issue. Uh, yep. Do you think it's important that within our denominations, we contend on certain things? Good question. Absolutely. Absolutely. We should be having, I mean, the key is, is the tone that you're having those discussions in. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with these things, with things like baptism and, and modes of baptism and, um, other issues like how, how often should you be having communion? Um, mm-hmm. those are things that you can, you can disagree on. You can have good, you can have good, healthy, um, conversations on, but they're things that you should never divide over. Yes. Um, and so um, I know that, um, and I know that there are some some Baptists who would disagree with me on this, but um, I don't think you should necessarily have, um, that you should necessarily bar a Presbyterian from taking the Lord's Supper at, your, at a Baptist church. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that oversteps because you're in agreement on the fundamentals. Yeah. Um, and now, there's a good ch- and honestly, when it comes to baptism, there's a good chance we've all got it wrong. Um, I'm convictionally, <laughs> I'm convinc- convictionally baptistic, uh-huh. so um, you know, you know, but I have a lot of Presbyterian friends, and I'm actually a student at a Presbyterian school. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And I was at a conference recently speaking um, 
where I actually got to make, I actually got myself in a lot of trouble because I made a joke about um, Presbyterian versus <laughs> Baptist. Um, and so my You're my kind of guy, hour, Aaron. <laughs> my, entire, my entire dinner hour was spent debating um, infant baptism versus, uh, versus believer's baptism. Yeah. Um, and, but the whole, the thing I said there and the thing that um, I'm saying here and the thing that I'll tell anybody is um, this is, for for those kind of conviction, personal convictional issues um, that are those second tier kind, second third tier kind of things, mm-hmm. um, have dialogue, but understand you're probably not going to agree. Right. But it doesn't mean that you're outside the camp. Yeah, now, right. if someone is saying um, the only way you can be that that baptism in in any form has a salvific effect so that you're not actually saved unless you're baptized well then you've got a different problem because then you've got something that that has implications on what the gospel is um and that's why um in the book um what i when i talk about these when i talk about early on um basically what are this this framework for for contending um so the content the content of what are some of the essentials are um, so the the nature and character of God, the gospel itself, and the work of Jesus, and the scriptures of themselves, um, because you can't actually understand those other two with um, without the assume without honestly even the assumed um, norming norm of the Bible being true and accurate and all that it teaches. Um, if there are things that are in conflict with who God is and what and and what He has done, what the gospel is and who Jesus is, or um, or that you know is not conforming to um, the hist- well one the historic view of Scripture, but also just simply what it teaches in general. Um, those are things that we have to talk about in greater detail, and in some cases we do have to separate over. Yeah. Um, yes, so. and uh, Eric, just you know, I'm going to mention this book tomorrow morning. Uh, mm-hmm. Saturday morning here at our church, we have our uh, really new members class. We we call it something cooler, but that's what it is. And mm-hmm. uh, we cover this. Uh, we use a traffic light illustration, which the entire time that, that I'm looking over your book, I'm thinking, boy, this is such a resonant theme here. Uh, and again, it's somewhat artificial. It's more to create a context to talk about these things. But yeah. we have a, a red light, yellow light, green light, um, sort of uh, <laughs> theology, theology, like. yeah, uh, it, yeah, you know, metaphor. So we'll say, you know, if Nathan and I are going on a journey, our, our church mission, our sort of battle cry mm-hmm. is changed by beholding Christ. You know, Nathan and I pull up at the same intersection, and it's a beautiful summer day, and the windows are down, and you know, we say, uh, "Hey, you know, do you want to go on this trip together?" Well, what's the desti- You know, what's the, what's the destination? To be changed by beholding Christ. Yeah, I'm in on that. That's awesome. And uh, the the lights at the intersection will determine the course of our trip. So mm-hmm. that, you know, you come to the first one and, uh, you know, all of a sudden I hear Nathan is playing Skillet. He's cranking Skillet up on his thing. <laughs> and I'm listening to something far more hip like uh, Twyla Paris or something like that. <laughs> and a little, little flashback to the 80s there. And we start teasing each other about the music we like. That, that intersection is, is a green light. Like, we just keep rolling on through it. Uh, we, we don't really need to slow down or anything. And yep. uh, if the next intersection that we come to, and we're sort of calling out, you know, on this day, out each other's cars, we start talking about, you know, 
something, you know, and Nathan says, man, Greg, I love that Jesus is, I love that passage where Thomas calls him my Lord and my God in John 20, 28. Uh, what, what an awesome thought that Jesus is God. And I say, yeah, dude, I'm not so sure he's God. I, I, you know, I think he's the son of God. I think he's an important teacher. That that's a red light. Like the trip has to stop. Yeah. Um, yep. You, there's nowhere to go until that issue is resolved. Yeah. Uh, that, that is too big. And we always say it gets tricky with the yellow lights. Yeah. Cause you're, you're, you're yeah. driving yeah, through I mean- and you're talking about tongues. Yeah. You're talking about uh, eschatology. You're talking about something that I always say are things that I believe. Like I believe, for instance, Aaron, in the plurality of elder leadership as mm. much as I believe the Trinity, but I accord more weight, of course, to the importance of the Trinity. Yeah. Like I could meet a brother uh, at a conference who says, hey, our, our style of government is congregational. Well, if he's willing, I'll sit down and go to the mat with him and disagree, hopefully in a kind, charitable way. Uh, but at the end of the day, hey, that's my brother in Christ. The guy yeah. says, I don't believe in the Trinity. It's a totally different matter. Yeah. And I, I think the way you work through these issues in this book is is excellent, by the way. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those things that it's like, it's a journey you never, you never actually arrive at, uh, at the end of. Yes. Um, because, you know, I mean, even, even knowing what I, what I wrote there, I still, I still goof and I still get yeah. a little bit too, a little bit too hot about things that I don't need to get hot about. Sure. Or, yeah. um, or I don't get as concerned as I should about some other things because, um, because I know, I know the heart behind what is being said. And so there's that whole wanting to fill in the blanks kind of thing that we do sometimes that maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Um, so Greg actually has a section of your book that he wants to read. Um, and then we want to just give you some time to to comment on it after Greg sets you up for it. So, Greg, go ahead and, and uh, read this section um, in there for him. And- yeah, this was really fun. Uh, Nathan and I were looking at it before. I mean, you've got some great sections in here. But this paragraph, I thought, is worth its weight in gold. And it's under your section, Biting and Devouring in Broadband. And your, your uh, paragraph here is the internet is essentially a massively complex, te- complex technological expression of human nature. That's why it is so clearly both a good thing and a bad thing. All the wisdom and encouragement and insight of man can be promoted and to a significant uh, degree communicated through the internet. Likewise, the foolishness, obsessions, petty grievances, and the ticks and vices of humanity Uh, So we have in one World Wide Web the bad stuff side by side with the good stuff, wheat and tares growing in the same field. Uh, Dude, that thing rocks. That's a great description. I just love the way you started. It's a massively complex technological expression of human nature. Mm -hmm. The best and worst. You're you're not kidding. I mean, I have been so blessed by the Internet content that I get. Uh, Great teaching, great articles, great insights, Mm -hmm. videos. And there is so much danger and harm out there as well. And just just walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those tough things. I mean, you know, one of the like one of the great things about the internet, and honestly, I am very thankful for the internet because I have a lot of people who I've made who've actually become good friends in in the real world um, through interactions that we've had um, online and. Uh, you know, so that's something that's always, that I'm always really thankful for. Sure, that in some same. ways, it's actually made the world smaller. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, and even the fact that we get to have this conversation. Yeah, um, yeah. It's another good example. It's another one of those things. It's a good thing. Um, yeah, there's un seemingly unlimited barriers to being able to share what is good good and right and true to 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 communicate the message of the gospel to just learn um learn interesting things and then you have um you know tmz yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and you know and the blaze and right. a few other websites um or you get the the really crusty persnickety christian guys yes who it's just like dudes you you need to chill out a little bit yeah. and you need to, you need to actually express like actually show in what you're saying, this grace that you are professing to believe. Right. And, yeah. and it's, a, and that's one of the tricks that exists with the internet is um, text doesn't communicate tone. No. Mm -hmm. um, so, and because we're a bitter and jaded society um, in certainly in the West, um, if, if our senses of humor are anything to are any judge of us, um, um, we're in a dark place. If, if the best that we're doing is, uh, is arrested development. And, and I say that as someone who loves arrested development. <laughs> no, no, I know exactly um, what you mean. Yeah. But, um, but there is this, um, there's this tendency to forget that as, as one friend of mine put it, that, that pixels are people yeah. and yeah. that, um, and so we we easily jump to the worst, and then and that and then there's just all the creepy stuff that exists on on the internet. Like I go to like I was like, yeah, I was reading a uh, I was reading a site that um, oh gosh I can't even remember what it was, but then for and it was like a totally innocuous kind of kind of website. I think I was like reading about a movie or something like. that. That. And then for about a week, um, Russian bride ads were chasing me all over the internet. <laughs> and it's like, okay, first, no. Yeah. Second, no. Yeah. <laughs> and third, I'm going to have to throw my computer out the window. Yeah. Um, so, so this is, but this is just kind of the, the thing that it's like within one or two clicks um, of something that is really really good and true you can go to really dark places really sure. really quickly um and so all of us need to be careful about that and, and to actually be thinking about that and and considering how do we actually use this tool that exists that um god in his um you know in his his general grace upon all of mankind has has allowed to exist um how do we use this well and in a way that honors him? Yes, yeah. yes. I, I found the same principle, Aaron, holding true, and I'm, I'm sure you have found this to be as well. Um, it's almost when you say email now, that's that's almost considered old school by some because so many people do it through texting. But whether you text or yeah. you email or you uh, direct message via Twitter and, mm -hmm. and how, whatever your form of instant communication is today to cover all the yeah. bases, uh, I have become convinced uh, that email, just to use that as a generic term, can turn a coward into a bully. And, and I'm saying that as an admission oh, of my, my own heart. I can't tell you the amount of times, uh, by the grace of God, this is years ago, I think. I think God has grown me in this area where I have drawn blood with a keyboard. And mm -hmm. I, I will say things in an email that I would likely not say face-to-face, -face, which tells me, so why am I doing it here? Yeah, and exactly. You, all the anonymity of I get to click 
send, go to bed, come check later and be ready for round two. And uh, where if I would, what I always tell people, Aaron, is please, except in the rarest of situations, I can think of a church that was dealing with a difficult missionary situation on the other side of the world, and, and email was their only option. I, I understand that. I'm not being legalistic about this, but yeah. I just think that we should use email texting to set up meetings. Hey, you know, it sounds like we really need to sit down and yeah. chat about this face-to-face. Um, yeah. L- let's do that, because the danger that, uh, and I love your friend's counsel, pixels are people. Yeah. There is a yep. human being made in the image of God on the other side of that communication. And that is yeah, to be abs- factored in. Absolutely. And I mean, I've been, you know, I've been on both sides of both sides of the bloodletting, um, you know, um, when because, you know, it's just it's just kind of the unfortunate thing is, is when you put something out there, no matter how no matter how clear you try to be, someone is going to go after you. Yes. And, um, you know, that happened with, uh, you know, that happened with Charlie's and I a few years ago with um you know, back when Rob Bell outed himself as not a Christian. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, sure. um, you know, and so, so the love wins crowds, love wins crowds certainly didn't, uh, didn't exhibit all that much love. Right. Um, <laughs> right. You know, but you see it with, um, yeah, you see it with, um, you see it with all these different kinds of groups. You see it, unfortunately, with a lot, like you see it a lot with, uh, I know he's not, in ministry at this point, which I think we can all be grateful for given what came out. But you see it, you saw a lot with the guys who are really enamored with Driscoll. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Right up until last year that they were, you know, there was something that was unique about him that for some reason God was using him in spite of him. Yes. um, In a lot of cases, because the way he would say things and what, like what he would say, how he would present it, a lot of it was really ungodly. Right. Um, and I think we have to be honest about that. But but for some reason, people picked up on it. And there were other people who tried to, basically who tried to pick up his his cadence and yes. his, his mannerisms. And it was just this whole wild pack of evil because... Um, there wasn't whatever, whatever there was to whatever degree it was happening that was, that um, God was, that God was tempering Driscoll in that, because yes. even though there were a lot of ungodly things that he said, you know, there were also these times when it's like quite effective and quite true and quite actually God honoring in some of the things that he would say. Agree, um, agree. And sometimes in the same message, which yeah, is also right, right. Which terrifying. Is, yes. But, um, but then you've got these, but... But you always see this is is the people who when you idolize a particular person, and you see this with the MacArthurites, you see this um, honestly, you see it with the Piperites, you see it with everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm and I realize I'm taking shots at my own camp in all of this. <laughs> no, that's 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 good. But, that's healthy. Yeah, but we're all kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so we what we do is is we end up we end up seeing the thing that we're enamored with in a person. And we amplify that really that quality that we really like, but we what we don't do is we don't we don't recognize what's tempering it. Yes. Um, and so that doesn't come through. And so you get um, this. This is why I get, you know, I get honestly probably more frustrated than I should with some people who are 
you know, who are big followers of John MacArthur. Um, and I love MacArthur. Sure. Um, for many, many things, except for his eschatology. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm right there with you, brother. But, <laughs> but he wouldn't like me for mine, so yeah. it's okay. Sure, sure. Um, but, um, but, you know, I, I tend to see this, this um, aggressive rhetoric that yeah. comes from them that is really eager to put people out of put people outside the bounds of orthodoxy over things that they shouldn't be. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and, and I mean, even in the celebrity Christian debate in general, um, you see people who are, um, you see people who, who just kind of blindly follow people and, you know, they're just like, we, yeah. but, um, but you also see this other side, the anti-celebrity side that, basically kind of wants to be celebrities too. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they want to be celebrities for not being celebrities. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there's a whole bunch of, whole bunch of mess and that can happen. And, um, so what we owe, what we really owe it to, to people, if we are, um, as Christians in the, um, interacting in the digital realm and internet interacting online in particular, um, we really owe it to people to, as much as we are able, to express the truth in careful ways, to be thoughtful and to be charitable, um, not to, you know, not, but at the same time to be willing to be as, as frank as we need to be about particular issues um, without necessarily damning the person who is who is guilty of propagating those things yeah yeah that's a great that's a great last word yeah yeah thank you so much aaron um we do uh want to be uh considerate of of your time we are running out of time ourselves here too but we would love to have you back on this has been such a great experience yeah Um, yeah anytime (laughs) yeah thank you so much um it's been great uh we're gonna go ahead and sign off just a quick reminder to those out there the first three likes on Facebook, I'm going to get Aaron's book, Contend. Um, so that's what we've been discussing. If for some reason you decided to skip all of the beginning of the podcast and jump to this point. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, please go ahead and uh, like us on Facebook. First three likes, we'll get a copy of his book, Contend. Thank you once again, Aaron, so much. It's been great. Yes, um, thank we're going to go ahead and sign off. And Greg, we just rock the Casbah. Even the Canadian Casbah. <laughs> there we go. These guys are 11.